slipped down while you were fighting him. You had a firm grip and he was slipping and sliding and he was an easy foe. And so this is what Paul's analogy is. Thank you, brother, for fixing the mic. And so this is his uh, analogy. It gave ability to not only stand, but it was very mobile uh, at, the, uh, at the same time. It gave you mobility. And uh, when it came down to hand-to-hand combat, it was very, very important to have these shoes. So what does Paul mean then by the readiness of the gospel of peace we find in, in uh, verse 15? The preparation, the readiness of the gospel of peace. Where is he getting at? And uh, it's harder to understand because we, are, we have here the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. But here we have a phrase rather than just uh, three words. And so it's really harder to interpret. But I think we can understand this, this interpretation. Uh, it means the readiness which the gospel of peace gives. NIV translated that way, and I think it's good. It can be translated, the readiness given to us provided by the gospel of peace. I think both of those are good. Uh, It could also have reference, and I think it does, to the gospel of peace being the very thing that our shoes are. And I think that's very true. In other words, the sandals that they wore... uh, were to us the gospel of peace. Okay, I think this is what Paul's analogy is getting at. And uh, some think uh, that uh, they made you ready to take the gospel of peace wherever you went, a readiness to spread the gospel. And that is true. Okay, that, But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about the readiness to spread the gospel. He talks about that in, in, in other places because spreading the gospel doesn't make you ready. If you're ready, you spread the gospel. You see what I'm saying? So you don't want to get the cart before the horse. And, uh, and I think that's a good way to interpret this. Remember, the sandals were meant for the soldier to stand his ground. And so the gospel of peace enables us to stand our ground. We're not standing on uh, anything except uh, the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and uh, the gospel that brings peace. And we're going to look at that. I think it's, I think it's a good way of seeing this. There, many people, though, interpret it differently, and, uh, you know, peace uh, is all I can say. But... Uh, The gospel of peace makes you ready for battle to stand firm. Remember in Ephesians uh, 2.14, we've already seen this, but it says, For he himself, who is at Christ, is what? He is our peace. See, it's all about him who has made the two groups, that is the Jews and the Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of Hostility. So we've already seen Christ is our peace. He is the peace that passes all understanding. Knowing Christ, knowing Him, it's all about Him. 
And I, I think I've said that a few times and probably will say it a few more times. Uh, but to be fair to the other side, we find in Romans 10, 14, and 15, we went through the book of Romans, but it says here, how then shall they call on him in whom they uh, have not believed, and how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You shall, uh, and how shall they preach unless you are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So this is true, but I just don't think that's what Paul is talking about in this particular verse. Because beautiful are the feet of those that take the gospel of peace. Uh, But the taking of it is not stability. No. You take it because you're stable, you're confident, you're assured in Christ before you take it. You see what I'm saying? So don't get that uh, uh, the cart before the horse. But anyway, uh, we take the gospel of peace, which is the power of God unto salvation, to others as well. And so, but just not here in this context, I don't believe. So, how is the readiness of the gospel of peace to the Christian what the shoes were to the Roman soldier? That's what we want to look at. Uh, two things, stability and mobility, those two things. You must have stability and mobility to be able to fight the spiritual battle that, that we face. How do we apply that spirituality? Stability, first of all, remember in Ephesians 4, we have already seen, we then no longer, uh, then we no longer be infants or children tossed back and forth by the ways, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So we're no longer to be children. And of course, what does a a child do? We have toddlers around here. They, you know, they they walk like they're drunk. They're not very stable, and you have to kind of watch them so they don't fall and hit their heads. And so uh, this is... uh, I think what is being taught us here by Paul, don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Be stable. Be firm in your footing. What gives the Christian stability? Is it our doing that gives us stability? Certainly not. It's not your doing that makes you stable. Now, you may think it is. It's not your witnessing that makes you stable. It's not studying charts on the walls about end-time things that makes you stable. It's not going to seminars that makes you stable. Uh, It's not learning all the errors of all the cults that make you stable. So, what you do, what you do does not make you stable. Not really. Not really. Uh, We need to understand that. It's what we believe. What we stand firm on. We stand on the solid rock of Christ, do we not? We're on a firm foundation of Christ. 
And this is why Paul was so confident in what he taught. In 1 Corinthians 15, we find uh, uh, the gospel. We'll look at that. The gospel in all of its fullness. Paul talks about that. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, in verses 1 uh, through 4, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Notice, you stand in the gospel. And he could have said here the gospel of peace. He could have said the gospel of grace. He could have called it the gospel of love. He could, you know, but he says here in, uh, in the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I have preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, he says, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And who is the gospel about? Christ. It's about Christ. See, he is our peace. That's why we must fix our eyes on him. Not on what we do, not on how much we know, not on anything, not coming to church. No, we fix our eyes on the only one who can give us peace, and that's Christ. Christ, in, in Christ alone. And we, we, we see in the first part of Ephesians, and we have already seen that in the first three chapters, the fullness of the gospel. And all those wonderful doctrines, is if we go back, uh, the union we have with Christ, uh, uh, election, justification, regeneration, saved by grace through faith, adoption, sanctification, all of these make up the fullness of the gospel because it's all about Christ. It's all about Him. Uh, they make up the good news. And that's what gospel means. It's good news. It is good news. If it was something that I had to do to keep it, something I had to do to earn it, that would not be good news. Why? Because I fail. I fail every day. And so you would not be confident because you would say, have I done enough? Am I going to lose my salvation? I, oh, I, I thought that thought, and, and if I die, am I going to go to heaven or not? And so, no, we're confident. Why? Because we're in Christ. By faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If that doesn't excite you, uh, something's wrong with you, I think. And uh, you, need to, you need to look at your heart. Uh, uh, so if your feet aren't properly fitted, then you will be unstable. No doubt about it. Because Christ has reconciled us to God. Do you realize how incredible that is? That we're now reconciled. Reconciliation between our creator and the sinner. We're justified. There's so many verses that we can go to. And I really want to, to spend time on this because, you know, you think, well, oh, the gospel. Yeah, I, I trusted Jesus 20 years ago. And, okay, the gospel. Now let's move on. 
If that's the way you think, you've missed it. No. That's the good news. You haven't missed anything. You need to keep going back to the gospel, the gospel that brings peace every day and dwelling on, on it. Uh, in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, just as though we never sinned, declared righteous through faith, we have what? Peace. It's called the gospel of peace. Why? Because there's peace with God now. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine that. We see it again. See, over and over and over, Paul pounds this home. It's, there's no more war between us and God. The war is over. Christ suffered the wrath of God for us. Matter of fact, 1 John 2, 2 says, uh, for he is, I think the King James says, the propitiation for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world, he says. And propitiation involves four things. It involves the offended one, who is God, who is the one that we're at war with. And then there is the offender, who is us. Then there is the offense, which is our sin. And then there is the propitiation. There is the atoning sacrifice, the payment of our sins. And Christ paid that. He died for us. He suffered the wrath of God on your behalf. Let that sink in. He suffered the wrath. You will never have to suffer the wrath of God because Christ died for you. Never again. Never again. And that's our standing. You see, that's where I stand. I don't stand on all of my works, all of my failures and, and, and all the things I've accomplished. And No, I stand on Christ because He paid. He paid for it. First Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to suffer, what? Wrath. See, we have not, His children have not been appointed to suffer wrath, but to receive what? Salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is no, absolutely none, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You better be in Christ because if you're not in Christ by faith and trust in Him, looking to Him, there is condemnation for you. And Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, which is uh, a verse that means so much to me, says God will keep in perfect peace 
those whose minds are steadfast because they what? Trust in you. Not themselves, not what they're doing, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We're steadfast. We're st- you're standing firm. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. You're standing on the solid rock of Jesus. And he will never fail you. We have peace. We have wonderful peace. That's peace with God. Then we can have, because of the peace with God, there's no more wrath. We can now have the peace of God. And there's scriptures that tell us that. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, what? Peace. That's the peace of God. We have the Spirit of God in us, and so we have uh, the peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the what? The peace of God, which transcends all. Guard your hearts and your minds, again, in Christ Jesus. Very, very, very clear. And it's that important. It's that important. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This is what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. Not wrath, not condemnation, uh, not you're going to have to pay for all your mistakes. No. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't go around worrying uh, about, you know, my... Uh, no. Be at peace. Be at peace. Because in Christ, you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Wow, what a gracious God. What a gracious God we have. Uh, That's why it's the message of grace. It's the gospel of grace. All of my works are filthy rags. The gospel of works, which is not a gospel at all, will never give you peace. If you're working your way, if you're trying to stand firm on your goodness, on anything that you have accomplished or done, you'll never have peace. But I tell you what, if you turn it over to Christ, turn it over to Christ and, and look to Him, you'll be filled with such peace that you will not believe it. It'll just fill you up and it'll overflow. That's the gracious God that uh, that we serve. See, there are no bigger and better things than the gospel. There's nothing bigger or better in his word than the gospel. It's not like I start with the gospel and I move over here to better stuff. No. You believe in the gospel to save you and you live and walk your life by the gospel. Faith. Believe. You begin by faith. You walk by faith. Right? 
not by sight. Let that sink in. And then the second way to see these sandals is mobility. Mobility. Uh, they help us to, to move around. They help us to move around. And uh, and by moving around, I'm talking about being confident. Being confident. Why does the devil hate and fear the gospel? Why does he hate and fear the gospel? Why does he like to confuse you and make you think that it's your good works and you better work up and make God happy with you? And Why does he like doing that? He hates the gospel because why? Uh, he knows... The gospel is what is powerful. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who works real hard and pulls himself up by their bootstraps, does all this good stuff. No, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's the power of God that brings salvation. It's the power of God that allows you to live the Christian life. So you don't, you don't begin with the gospel and then you take over. No. You have these sandals on the gospel of peace. You're standing firm. And you're confident to move around. Because you have sandals on that are for protection, for steadfastness. It's having on Christ. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Isn't that incredible? How Paul makes this an analogy that we can, can really understand. See, the gospel will do great damage to Satan's kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of darkness will be invaded by the light of the gospel. The kingdom of death is invaded by uh, the, the, the life of the gospel. And then the kingdom of the devil is invaded by the kingdom of God's Son. How can we apply this to our lives? How can we apply this to our lives? First of all, know the gospel. Know the gospel. Know it. Understand it. Make sure that your definition of the gospel is correct. If you don't understand the gospel, how can you stand on the gospel? You can't. If, you, if you've got all this stuff mixed up with the gospel, what the gospel really is about, you're not going to be stable when you stand. You're, it's like having your sandals not buckled up. Or the wrong size. No, the gospel, the gospel is truth that fits your foot and fits to the size of your foot so you're able to stand and move about and be confident in what you're declaring. Because if you are confident 
that you have Christ, that you have the truth, that you have the gospel like Paul was, you're going to proclaim it. You're going to take it when you walk around. The gospel is going to go with you. I mean, in that, I mean, my shoe is going with me. All right? And it'll go with you. You must know the gospel and be prepared to stand fast. Hold your ground. I hope compromising the truth of the gospel is not part of your vocabulary. I hope it's a conviction of your heart. And I will never move from that conviction. Then we need to embrace the gospel and be prepared to fight. Embrace it. I hope your attitude towards the gospel is one of excitement. You've embraced it and it has embraced you and it excites you because the gospel is the truth and the gospel has saved you. The the gospel strengthens you. The gospel is your, it's all about Jesus and wow, it already excites us. And if it excites us, we're going to tell others. You know, I've never seen anybody, an Auburn or Alabama fan, if they win, go around with closed mouths. You know, no, you're going to shout it from the housetop. Auburn won. No, you're going to be excited about it. Are we excited about the gospel? The power of God for salvation to all those that believe. Let it stir you. Let it stir me. It should. It should. Paul was confident in the gospel. And he was excited about the gospel. I used to do a lot of floundering. Walking along with a light and you see a flounder and you'd gig it, you know, and put it on your stringer and you'd walk along and gig another one and But you know what? You better go out there with shoes on. Because if not, you're going to step on an oyster shell, a broken bottle. I did. I didn't have uh, my shoes on. And I cut my foot about about that long and about almost bled to death before I made it back to the house. I was so weak, I I was crawling at the end and had to, to bandage it up and so forth. You know what I was doing the whole time I was floundering? I wasn't looking for flounder. I was looking for things that I might step on because my, I was not protecting. See, the gospel gives us confidence to go out and fight the battle. We can have confidence Christ will sustain us. Christ will keep us safe. He will guard us. He will protect us even in the battle, even if we die. Because we know that uh, he is with us and he will take us through uh, the toughest battle. Wow. So make sure that you are a recipient of the gospel. Be convinced. Somebody said, know you're right and go ahead. I think that was Bob Jones. That was one of his things. Be sure you're right and go ahead. When you get your marching orders, go. 
And we need to feed on the gospel every day. And then lastly, we need to proclaim the gospel. We need to proclaim the gospel. And that's what he's talking about in Romans 10, taken from Isaiah 52. It's really interesting here in in Isaiah 52 and also in Romans 10, he says, beautiful are the feet. That's how... Do you, did you, do you think of feet as being beautiful? You know, when I was dating Janine, I didn't say, boy, you have beautiful feet. At least I don't think I did. Now, I may have. because <laughs> No, I didn't. Because yeah. I wasn't looking at her feet. But the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those that take the message. So what is he saying? The feet are being used to take the truth, the message, the gospel. Therefore, it makes them beautiful. Wow. Beautiful are the feet of those that take the gospel message. In ancient times of war, uh, when the battle was being fought and victory was won or lost, they would send a runner back to the city to proclaim. And that's what he's talking about here. Blessed are the feet that bring good news of great tidings. That is, we have won. We have won. And that's what it's saying. We're, we're declaring victory. We have won. The battle is ours. Satan is defeated. We can be confident in Christ. Wow, this is what Paul is driving at here. And can you imagine being a runner sent back from the battle and you're approaching the city and, you know, it's been a glorious victory. The the enemy is not going to invade your city and destroy you. The army has been victorious. And they see you, they see you coming to the city from the walls and you're going... What are they going to think? The battle's lost. We lost the battle. They might even kill you. But, you know, then you get up there and you go, we won, we won. Are they going to believe you? Probably not. Let me say this. How do you present the gospel to people? Oh, Jesus saves. Yeah, we're victorious in Jesus. It's so exciting to be a Christian. I love to sing. Uh, Is that going to win anybody? I don't think so. See, the victory is ours. We have won. You know, happy feet. Happy feet. I bet you they came back jumping up and down doing cartwheels. He didn't even have to say they had won. And that's the way we ought to be as as God's children. We've won. You have won. You are in Christ. You have won. And the victory is ours. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word and the analogy that you gave Paul uh, that we have on our feet, the gospel uh, of peace. 
that we have peace with God through Christ our Lord. He took our wrath. And we can be confident with these sandals on that we will be protected from anything that we might step on or getting our way, that you're with us. Lord, help us to put on this gospel of peace every day. Lord, that we would fight the battle and that we would uh, run back to the city and proclaim we're victorious. And that people would see Christ in us and want to have what we have. Forgive us, God, for living a life of doom and gloom because we're victorious. In Jesus' name, amen.